With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome back to The Last Word on Spurs, our second show of the week. We hope you're keeping well. And just want to say a massive thank you to all the listeners that are continuing to download The Last Word on Spurs during this really difficult time. We've had some fabulous guests on, to be fair, over this last couple of months. Interviewed a lot of players around the Martin Yole era. And I think it's been fantastic to have some of those ex-players on. So I hope you've enjoyed those interviews as much as we've enjoyed recording them. But we are back for a show to talk about everything in amongst Spurs at the moment. There's been some really interesting news, potentially a sporting director coming in. We've seen some great stuff as well with Harry Kane giving back to Leighton Orient. And of course, Serge Aurier appearing, I use that word appearing to break social distancing rules for the third time during this lockdown. Nothing to surprise when it comes to Serge, but we've got the panel back to discuss all things Tottenham. So delighted to welcome back to this show with me, I've got Lee McQueen. Lee, how are you and how are the family? Good, thank you. Hello, everybody. And getting to some, some digging into some of the Serge Aurier things that's been going on. I'm quite looking forward to that part, I have to say. Yeah, it feels like we're kind of going back now to where football was, back to some kind of normality that we're bringing Serge Aurier back into the frame again. But to be fair, he's trying to think to kind of keep himself in the headlines. It's only the third time, like I said, that he looks like he's broken the social distancing rules. But before we get into Serge, pleased to have back on the show with me as well. We've got Jamie from the Daily Hotspur, Jay. How are you and how are your family? Yeah, all good. Thank you, Ricky. Yeah, I hope all the listeners are keeping well. Um, yeah, big thank you for all the support on kind of the shows that we've done recently with the uh, ex-players. I mean, it's been yeah fantastic response to all of them. So, yeah, big thank you to all the listeners and uh, hope all staying well and looking forward to this show. Yes, amen to those. And also pleased to welcome back. This is the great thing. Being out of retirement at the moment, we're really loving this time, but not talking much about Jose, which means he's back on this show. Jason McGovern's with us. Jace, how are you? Not too bad, mate. Hopefully nothing from Foot Macasso to talk about this week. Because <laughs> nobody thinking Foot Macasso is, is total rubbish. So uh, let's let's get on with the show. Yeah, to be fair to you, Jace, we've been quite lucky that Foot Macasso have been quite negative. So we don't really want to talk about much of their speculation. Any, so... Anything on Garner, Soccernet or anything like that? Nothing no, I don't, I, 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 to be fair, Jay will back me up here. Nothing much with Garner, Soccernet, Jay's at the moment. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah. No link to Jordan I at the moment, unfortunately. <laughs> well, to be fair, you know, with the coronavirus is going, nothing would surprise well, us. So, 
Who knows? But we're going to start with some of the breaking news that's come out on the Wednesday in which we're recording is that, that Spurs are the latest club to refund to get holders. Supporters will get back the cost of their final five home games on a pro rata basis. I'm going to come first to you, Lee, for instant reaction. Of course, you're a season ticket holder. What do you make of that news from the club? Well, I think he's a bit classic. I mean, I think he's a bit classic, Levy, to be fair. What I understand is for the Man United game, instead of the 80 quid that we'd have got, which we actually pay for that ticket, we get 63 quid back, which is quite epic, isn't it? You know, so I don't, I don't know what, how that calculation has been made. Um, I think it was. I think it was a little bit of a cheek from the club, to be honest. When they when they removed the uh, the account, um, I don't, most season tickets holders, if you haven't been to every single game, you can you obviously sell, sell it on the ticket exchange. And if you sell it on the ticket exchange, then funds go into an account, and that account was you know was there either to build up, or you can use them funds against uh, renewing your next season ticket, or whatever it might be. I'm not 100% certain if people, uh, well, everyone knows this, but, you know, probably back in, I can't remember when it was, before COVID hit, that account was taken down. Like, so all of a sudden, anyone that had any money in it, you couldn't access it. They've kept that for, for this period of time, and now they've just opened it back up on this announcement that you've just referenced today um, with the pro rata refunds as well. So, so for example, if you hadn't been able to get to, say, I don't know, three, four, five matches, whatever it might have been, and you sold your tickets on the exchange, you'd built up some sort of, um, uh, you know, money in an account. You haven't been able to access that until today. Um, so I, ju- I just think that after all that's gone on, whether or not we agreed with the furlough or didn't agree with the furlough, and you know my views on that, you know, when you know when when football realizes that you know the most important people in the in football are the fans, that that would be a really good day because it still doesn't feel like that to me. It's funny you bring it up, Lee, because again we saw the Bundesliga over the weekend. No one to get into it when we talk about the project restart, but again it kind of in, made that point very very clear that you know football without the fans it is such a different spectacle. But again, you make a great point there. Listen, that as fans, you know, I think definitely during this period, I think the the stock of fans should definitely be rising. And again, we're going to bring it on when we talk about the project restart. But coming over to you, Jay, also, you know, season ticket holder, what have you made of that announcement, the way Spurs are going about the refund process? From my perspective, I was quite happy with it. Me and my dad, who are both sit together, we're both season ticket holders. We were very happy with kind of, you know, that we were either getting the option to have a full refund or from from the, the rest of the remaining games or have that taken off next season's um, season ticket. So personally, I think it's you know it's it's a good gesture from the club. I think it's you know really they it was something they had to do. Um, I, I think there was maybe a bit of um, you know people weren't too sure whether they would actually do it. But look, fair play to the club. I mean, from my perspective, I'm very happy that you know I'll get that money back um, because as I said, I, th- I feel as though there was a bit of doubt whether it would happen or not. But look, from from my perspective, as I said, I'm I'm quite happy with how they've done it. And Jace, we've got a question here from Stuart Forrest at Stuart Forrest 7 who says, Good news about the refund for season ticket holders. Given the season's performances, the sacking of Pochettino, the fact that the new stadium is now no longer a novelty and the general ambivalence towards football currently, do you think many season ticket holders will choose not to renew? It's interesting, isn't it? I think, you know, if people missed football, are people kind of excited to go back to it? I think... I think you know had the season run its course. There would have been a lot of uh, lot of doom and gloom going into the summer, but but maybe this break came at the right time for people, and that when the, the season does restart, 
um, particularly, particularly if we then do win a couple of games or something and give ourselves a chance, then then maybe that will, will give everyone the, the impetus to go and renew it. It's interesting to see. I mean, you know, for me, I wish I could have had the entire season credited for the rubbish that we've had to serve up for, for months on end. But uh, And that's that's for most of this season, let's be honest, because it was, you know, Newcastle United and Sheffield United and Watford and that were, were under Poch as well. So that's, that's not just at, at, at Mourinho, but, you know, there's been so poor this season. I think there was a malaise. But I think what... What will happen is the the economy will will dictate whether people renew. If people, you know, in in a month's time have lost their jobs, then then it's not so easy to justify spending over a thousand pound on a season ticket, is it? And I think that's that's what the 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 major decision will be. Can people afford it? Rather than you know, we've all seen it before, haven't we? Where where people say I'm not going to renew, but they still renew because if they don't renew, then next year becomes brilliant, and then you you join the back of the queue again. So that's what happens, isn't it? Yeah, that is a massive point, Jace. Because I, I remember um, I remember the Wigan game one nil when AVB was in charge, and I was sitting there, I was just looking at my mates Nick and Colsey at the top, where we were sitting next to in the in the south, and I was like, mate. I'm not sure we can carry on watching football like this and, you know, that whole re- re- renewal of season ticket thing. But, like you say, we always have because, you know, the loyalty. And, and the, the, I think that was the point I was making as well. The club knows, the Premier League know, Sky and whoever else know that we will keep going back because we we, we love it. it. You know, we, we, we love football. We love our football club. And, you know, that that's why I think that, that sometimes we us fans get treated in a wrong way. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, Jamie, about, you know, I think I think it's good, but but that's the least that I would have expected. I was never thinking that we're never going to give me my money back. It's money that I've paid for saying that I haven't got. You know, so, so quite frankly, I was always thinking that I was going to get it back. It's just, for me, it was a manner in which they kind of just closed them accounts down and just have, have left us to it. But l- like you say, you know, we've got the money back, so I don't want to be a win. Just, I just want to kind of make that point, really. I think just on one final thing I'd say is that, you know, for me, I would definitely take the money out the the thing rather than leave it as a credit because, let's be fair about it, we're, we're not going to see too much football next season as well, are we? I think that that's pretty interesting. We certainly won't be there till certainly into 2021 before I think anyone's in that stadium again. So with that in mind and with, with season ticket renewals, I'd I think... What the hell? I take the take the money out now, and 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 then when the time comes to renew it, then then do it then. But I don't think we'll be renewing season tickets for a long time. And talking about season tickets, let's discuss then project restart. And Jamie, I'll start with you because we've seen over the weekend that Premier League players and staff underwent testing at their bases before returning to training. The Premier League announced on Tuesday that six positive cases of coronavirus across three clubs had been confirmed after an initial 748 tests were carried out on players and non-playing staff. We know a Watford player and two members of non-playing staff were amongst the six positive tests for coronavirus in the first round of Premier League testing. Subsequently, since that, we've seen Troy Deeney come out and say that from his perspective, he's definitely not ready yet to go back to training. For He doesn't feel the safety is there around concerns for his young son's health, who has had breathing difficulties. We've seen... Maybe for you, some people mm. won't be a surprise. Danny Rose has said that he feels that footballers are like lab rats in terms of the way this project restart is gathering pace. He says the fact that people are suggesting that we should go back to football, it's basically like <laughs> guinea pigs or lab rats that we're going to go back to this phase and see if it works or not. I mean, Jamie, for you, instant reaction. Where are you on football? And yeah. do you want to see it come back, having seen the Bundesliga back underway at the weekend? 
Look, at the end of the day, I think my opinion has kind of changed over the last couple of months as whether you have to null and void the season. I think that that's something that's completely off the table. I know it's something the Premier League have never even considered. That's become quite clear now. Um, and, it, and I think as Jason's made the point before, it kind of sets that precedent for next season. You know, if you, if you return in two or three months' time when it's exactly the same sort of situation in terms of whether it's safe, safe enough and you've just restarted the season, then it's just, you've kind of done it for the sake of it. And and it, I don't know, it's really difficult. It's, it's a very difficult situation because, look, we, we all know that these clubs have got huge amounts of money going out the club from whether that be wages or whatever whatever outgoings they have. So they need to start getting that money back. And, that, you know, and that's why, obviously, they are trying to restart the season. Um, obviously, being a contact sport, that's where it becomes really tricky. And, you know, it's, it's impossible to, to talk kind of social distance in those situations. So, look, I, I do feel for, for the players in a way, um, as much as I want football to come back, and I know it needs to come back in order to start generating money to be able to save these clubs, because... That's, of course, the last thing that we want to see happen. You know, these Maybe the smaller clubs or even potentially some Premier League clubs, if it goes, um, if this, you know, this situation goes on for longer and longer. We don't want to see clubs going under. But, you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to whether the players want to return. And for some of them, I, I do feel sorry because I know a lot of them will be concerned, as, as, you, as you named there, Troy Deeney and Danny Rose, two players that obviously come out and express their concerns. So, it's a difficult situation because you can totally understand why they would be concerned about doing it. Um, but yeah, look, I think it, you know, it's got to come back soon or later because of, of course, you know, as I mentioned, the, uh, you yeah, know, the sort of money that is going out of these clubs, you know, that football's got to return sometime soon, but I think the Bundesliga coming back has been a really positive sign. And know as a country, Germany have handled the situation a lot better than we have. And they're of course in a position to do that. But I think it was a positive sign. It did feel as though, you know, there is kind of a bit of light at the end of the tunnel for all of us. So I thought that I just, yeah, I think the Bundesliga coming back was a, was a real positive sign, actually. Now, we know that anyone who tests positive must now self-isolate for seven days and cannot attend the club's training ground. We saw Premier League clubs were allowed to begin non-contact training on Tuesday with twice weekly testing to be carried out around the sessions in an attempt to avoid to spread the virus. Lee, let's get your reaction to the recent events in terms of the Premier League. We've seen teams now back into training in small groups. Some players, as I've mentioned there, the likes of Danny Rose, Troy Deeney for them, they don't feel safe in terms of going back into that environment yet. We're still seeing, again, listen, every death is horrendous as we're seeing across the world. But again, the UK here, it's still quite a relatively high number and there's still many that do not feel comfortable seeing football returning in the UK. What's your take on the situation? I'm one of them, I have to say. I mean, you know, if you split it into two areas, um, like I like to do and break it down from different opinions, do I want football to be back in our lives 100%? Do I, have I missed it? Yeah, I've missed it. Do I want us to restart the season? I think Jace alluded to it earlier. I think this forced break for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club in particular has been would have been an absolute um, gift uh, I think we touched upon it a couple of pods ago, didn't we, lads? Still, when we said about when Josie first came in, he wanted it to be pre-season. Well, he got his wish. Um, you know, not in the circumstances that, that he'd have wanted, but ultimately he has had that, or he's now got that. Kane's fit, Bergwijn fit, um, Sonny's back and done his military service. Um, so we don't, we don't, we haven't lost time to get people back to kind of fitness. So, do I want to see football back? Yes, but and this is a huge but for me. You know, people are dying. 
they're dying every day. They're, you know, we're not allowed to go out. You know, you know, if you're not if you're not allowed to go out, um, you know, if you can work from home where possible, and and the government is saying, you know, you should stay at home if you can. How can football be be allowed to come back? I, I agree with Jamie in terms of a positivity with football coming back with with the Bundesliga, but I don't agree that that, that football should come back unless it's safe to do so. Um, if it's proven with all the safety requirements you've just lifted off, Rick, that, that it is proven to be safe, then then I, I can't understand how it can be on the basis that people are dying every day from it still. And, you know, we've got the we've got the large, I said this a couple of pods ago, we've got the second largest death toll um, in the world, uh, the largest death toll in Europe. Um, it might be It might be down to, you know, it might be getting better, but we're still having 600 people a day die. I mean, how, how is 600 people a day dying good? It's, it's still not eradicated. I think we've had some good news around the, the vaccines and, and certainly around the antibody testing, which we talked about uh, at length before in one of the previous pods, which is, a, which is a bit of a game changer. But, you know, you've got six people out of 748, six people have tested positive coronavirus that didn't even think they had it. And there's six people have got it. All of a sudden, it only takes like like Troy, Troy's stance, and I and I agree with him. I, I've got well, I've got identical twin girls at six. One of them is asthmatic. If I was a Premier League footballer like Troy, and I had an asthmatic daughter, which I have, like Troy has got an asthmatic um, uh, child, I wouldn't want to put them at risk. So you know, uh, it is tough because economic and money and people want football back, but health has to come first and. It's, it is a tough decision um, because of all of the things that we talked about uh, under the bridge before. But the reality of the situation is that, you know, your family and your health must come first. When everything is said and done, when everything else is gone, they are the ones that are still with you. Your family is everything and it has to come first. So I, t- I tip my cap to Troy and, um, uh, you know, I don't hold him in contempt or whatever. And, and I think that each individual player has individual circumstances that, that may or may not affect their decision to play. If it's deemed to be safe to and the players decide, yeah, I can do it, then fair play to him. We see some football. Um, but personally, I, I think we should, we should be holding off. That's my personal view. I mean, we, we've seen a number of Spurs players already the training. There's been a number of Spurs players already back working in small group sessions at the training ground. I mean, as we understand, officials are optimistic that the Premier League will be restarting in June, some three months after football was suspended due to the coronavirus pandemic. But there is definitely an acknowledgement that plans may not be sufficiently advanced to ensure a return on the June 12th, which was initially hoped. The Premier League has also been warned that due to the coronavirus, restrictions are likely to be in place long term with Public Health England advising that the public health situation is unlikely to change in the next 12 to 6 months. So this is not going to be you know, a short-term measure that we're going to be in this situation, as we know, for a long, long time. And you know, I have to bring the point up you made there, Lee, in terms of Troy Deeney and ask you, Jason, because Troy makes this point here that he says, I can't get a haircut until middle of July, and even then, not, we don't know about it, if that's the case, but I can go and get in the box with 19 other people and go and jump for a header, and nobody can answer that question, not because they didn't want to, just because they don't know the information. I mean, from your perspective, Jace, I know you've been quite passionate that for you, you do want to see football return because, you know, the, the null and void is no longer on the table. But where are you on this matter of football coming back? You're right. I'm passionate about it coming back or you completely scrub two years of it because the, the safety problem, yes, it has to come back incredibly safe. We, we'd accept that. But can you honestly say it's going to be safer in November and December than it is in June? You know, until we find vaccine, 
there is always going to be someone that's testing positive. So if we wait until we have no positive tests, we could be waiting two years to kick a ball. And those players that, that are saying, I'm not going to go back, I wonder if they're prepared to give two years of their career away when they watch their, their, their other professionals in Germany and Spain and Italy and that playing. So there's, there's that point to it. And the, the second part is when people are saying, do we want football back and it's too early? We're not talking about playing this weekend. We're talking about players going back to training with social distancing, you know, three people training on an entire pitch and, and getting themselves ready and talking about it coming back. And you've got to make those plans now. You've got to put yourself in a position for it to come back, because if you leave it for another six or seven weeks and then you start to, to train and get ready, then you're writing off the next, you know, um, and Premier League clubs have said it will be four or five weeks before players are ready to play. So if they don't go to training for another five or six weeks and then we wait another five weeks, then that's three months down the line. That's 11 weeks. That's three months down the line. And we're starting to get towards winter when when the NHS will get stretched with with its seasonal, you know, flu bugs. I think older people get flu, uh, flu jabs and that in October and things like that. So the the normal winter illnesses that the NHS has to deal with will then be kicking in just when football restarts and people will say oh we can't restart football now because the NHS is getting stretched again. Troy Dean has got a you know, young child that has got breathing difficulties what would be your, your your thoughts on that when you're seeing this where players are unhappy or, or feel unsafe to come back to training would it be a case that for you you would acknowledge that but you would just say I'm sorry you, you won't get paid then is that how you would, would deal with that? It's difficult in each case isn't it like I say if Troy Deeney thinks about it I mean it's that the short term thing is I'm, I'm not ready to train. And, and, you know, if he's not ready to train, that that's fair enough. But if you say to him, why aren't you? Well, because I'm concerned if I'm in a box with the players, I'm going to get the illness. Then he could pick that up at any time in the next two years until a vaccine comes. And so at which point does Troy Deeney, at 32 years old or whatever he is, say, I tell you, what, I'm writing off my entire professional career then. And maybe he's quite happy to do that for the sake of his family. But at some stage, if, if six people tested positive last week, I reckon that's you're going to have six people testing positive every single week. And so if we wait till there's zero positive tests, we will never restart the game until a vaccine comes. And by then, if clubs go 18 months, two years without kicking a ball, there'll be no clubs in existence. Mm. So that's the problem you're up against. When When do you deem it? safe. I mean, it's it's awful watching the Bundesliga and none of us really want to see empty stadiums or, or as, as Korea have got, blow up dolls in the crowd or, or faces, cardboard cutouts in the crowd. I mean, you know... Blow up dolls, Chase. Blow up dolls in the crowd, love it. Korea have got blow up dolls. and I mean, West Ham maybe. Golden Sullivan would like it. Oh, perfect. Oh, loving it. But but, I mean, you know, whether you use cardboard, none of that matters to me. The games have got to be played. And uh, if if we honestly say that, it, you know, six positive tests can stop the move from going back to training, then I'm sorry, but we will never restart the game. It's hard, isn't it? Yeah, of course it is. But yeah. like, like I say, when people are saying, is it too early to football to return? We are not talking about a Premier League game really starting for another four or five weeks. So, you know, we're not starting this weekend. Let the players go to training, get themselves ready. And if if you suddenly see a massive outbreak, then they can stop. But the problem is, if they wait for three months or something to start again, then you'll be starting in the dangerous period. And I still think the safety worries will be there then. 
that they're in now. That's the problem. I mean, it is so tricky in terms of where to draw the line. And what we do know, listen, that football, whatever happens, you know, they always say in terms of being on a football pitch is one of the most safest places if you are to get an injury in terms of treatment. You know, you would imagine that if football does come back into the Premier League, which it looks like it's going to at some point, that in terms of the testing, it will be vigorous. But again, you don't want to be in that position where you're taking away the testing from the NHS to fund it for the Premier League. It has to be a case where it's manageable to do that. So I think this story is going to run and run. And like I say, we'll just keep you know providing information once we have it and when we get it. But as we know also on Monday's Project Restart meeting, the 20 clubs did not discuss the possibility of curtailing the season like in Scotland and have continual talks over the issue of neutral venues. And again, uh, this will drag on. This will not be a case that this is going to be sorted out in the next couple of weeks. I'm sure, as Jason said, you know, it's just trying to initiate this conversation about bringing players back to training. And talking about training and players leads us into our next subject, which is Sergioria. Now, again, I have to emphasise, we're recording on the Wednesday here. So when you listen to this podcast, things may have developed in terms of this story. But Jamie, to come over to you. Spurs are investigating Serge after it appeared that he broke the social distancing rules for a third time by getting a haircut yeah. during the lockdown and meeting his barber. And Spurs have yeah. actually commented and said that we are investigating the circumstances and we'll deal with this incident appropriately. I mean, Jay, what have you made of this situation? One of the points that I did also want to make is, you know, the sort of testing that they're going to be doing with these players, it's going to be, they're going to make it sure that it's going to be absolutely every player and coach or whoever is going to not be testing positive for the virus. But then when you've got absolute idiots like Serge Aurier going out after he's just been tested, and I know he came up with a statement that the guy that he also that he was with that was cutting his hair was also negative for the virus. But it's just so irresponsible because it only takes one idiot like that to, to go and do something and maybe mix with other people. Um, and and the, the whole, the, I think the, the main anger of everyone that comes from the fact that this is the third time he's done it. You know, I cannot believe after we've been doing all these podcasts over the last two months or so that we're again having to touch on a Spurs player um, breaking breaking the lockdown rules. It is I, I just can't quite believe it. Although really in Sir Jorius' case, unfortunately, I am starting to believe that he that he's kind of gone and done this. There are plenty of people that are going to be stupid and break the rules, but for for me, Sir Jorius, you know, if, if if you're doing this and and we know that we want football to come back and. As I said, you know, it could take one, it could take one incident like that to, to kind of ruin all the plans. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm very, very, very disappointed with uh, with that situation. Lee, let me just read you Sergio's statement. He says that my hairdresser is negative, and me too. So stop talking in a vacuum and put on masks and gloves when you come to take pictures at the training centre. It's part of the rules too. Cheeky wink. I mean. If you are the Spurs, you know, the, the HR, you must be pulling your hair out because after what we've had with the club in terms of the breaking of the social distancing rules with the manager, the furlough scheme, we've done all that on this podcast over the last couple of months. I mean, all you would want now is a quiet period and, you know, Sergio Aurea just doesn't let that happen. The guy does what he wants. He, he, he can't, he, he can't follow, it doesn't seem like he can follow rules. As, as Jimmy's just said, it's the third time that he's broken a rule, um, you know, which is uh, which is a government rule. It's not even a you know, it's not even a club rule or anything. It's a government rule. Um, and he just does what he wants, and I just, you know, this is why I wanted to get into this guy. You know, p- people uh, have a bang at me on Twitter or, or social media, or whatever, about oh, you know, you're digging him out. This is one of the contract rebels. This is exactly why you can't build an elite cohesive team. 
you can't do it with individuals and attitudes like that. I'm sorry, I, I'm I'm not having it. You can't have that guy. You know whether or not you know the, our very own Tom Huddleston that uh, you and Jamie interviewed a couple of weeks back talked about Adebayor and he talked about you know was he a bad egg in the dressing room and, and actually no he wasn't he was just a little bit misunderstood or this that and the other um, but you know from the outside looking in it looked like Adebayor was a bad egg and it's the same with Aurier you know you keep looking yeah he's a bit of a cheeky one the gift that goes round with him opening the door and having a cheeky smile and, and all that sort of stuff you know the reality of the situation is you can't follow rules and if you can't follow rules you can't build an elite team uh, you know, with individuals, in my opinion, like that, he's one of the six contract rebels original that we that we named. And he, and and to be fair, not just on this scenario, but the guy needs to get out of the club. It, it can't be good. Yeah, we have a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke with him, but the reality of the situation is, he, he's not he's not adhering to simple rules, and that's also on his playing on his playing career as well. You know, um, a good friend of the show, Alistair Gold, talked about you know uh, uh, earlier this week about Sergio Aurier having eight assists, which is which is up there. You know, it's quite it's quite impressive to be fair. The amount of assists that he's got so far in the season and so on and so forth. I've got a stat for you, Sergio. Has had more lockdown breaches than games when Tottenham kept the clean sheet in 2020. I mean, I, I just can't. Well, take there you it go, anymore. mate. It's a great I just stat. Can't I mean, take it and, and again, I think exactly, and I think. You know, you know, with all, all jokes aside, this is what you know. This is why, for me, I, you know, I'm quite passionate about this because we, we all of us, including us four lads and uh, and the other lads that are on the uh, on the show and, uh, and and all of the listeners, which are absolutely amazing with all their questions, it, it always comes back down to analysing why we don't do so well and who we're going to buy and what areas that we need to, to 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 strengthen and this that and the other. But when you've got individuals like Serge Aurier in your team that that, that repeatedly have showcase that they haven't got the right attitude and 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 again i can reel off two or three you've just reeled off three reasons in terms of rule breaches um uh, you know you've got the situation where he comes out i want to go back to psg you've got a situation where he's come back and said i've got no competition for places in in this side so what's the point you know you've got all of these situations then you've got the mistakes that are on the field of play as well i mean come on this is ridiculous get hold of him and say serge what are you playing at here or Look, if you don't want to be here, that's that's cool, no problem. Let's 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 go. And, and I know I know that it's going to be very very difficult to move him on. And Jay say it's not that easy. And I, and I, and I get that, Jay's hundred percent. But the reality of the situation is, we're building and building an elite team here. We we are trying to track down the Man Cities and the Liverpools and the you know the top top teams in Europe. We're trying to like bring them down to win our trophies and get. In, and you need a cohesive unit to do that. And I'm sorry, I just don't see that that is Serge Aurier. Tom Parker at T Parker Official says Sir Jory's social distancing should be increased to say 200 miles, i.e. London to Paris. And to be fair, we're not even sure, Tom, if you'd be able to survive that. I'll be honest with you, is the way things are going at the moment. But Jace, let's bring you in also on this Aurea topic because, you know, he posted a series of photos on Instagram of himself just having had a haircut with a trim presumably taking place the day before Spurs returned to socially distanced training at Hotspur Way. He was then pictured driving into Hotspur Way training base on Wednesday morning as players prepared to return to training albeit in a shortened, as we mentioned, socially distanced session. But again, when you look at the guidelines, Jace, you know, this apparent, and we have to say apparent breach of the guidelines would potentially leave his participation up in the air given the players' Premier League rules that they are required to undergo COVID testing twice a week as they train and they look ahead to this potential restart to the season. I mean, what do you make of this, Jace? 
he hasn't put his brain in and he thinks, well, I'm I'm being tested a couple of times a week, so I can now do as I please. But but Lee's right, he's he's a loose cannon, isn't he? He brings he brings unwanted attention to the club, he brings distractions to the club on and off the pitch and you know, there aren't too many players that, that get away with being that way at, at top clubs, unfortunately. And when when they become like that, you know, Pep doesn't put up with them, Klopp doesn't put up with them, Mourinho isn't known to put up with them. You know, you can talk about any of those Ancelotti's, none of those great managers really tolerate them, does they? Look at look at how much of the distraction Balotelli was and he becomes a, a wandering footballer in the end. So I think Lee's right. I mean, performances from him on the pitch, it's it's the same mistakes over and over again. No matter how many good things he does, we know that the next disaster's just around the corner and then off the pitch. You know, it, it's that it's that attitude that says, I don't care what the club says, I'm, I've tested positive so I can do as I please. And, and that's the problem with him. So I, I'm, I'm certainly in Lee's camp on that, that's for sure. I think we have to make the point that many will be maybe saying and screaming when listening to this, that what about Eric Lamella? What about the several other Spurs players that have had haircuts over this last four to six weeks? I think the case with Sir Jury is that it looks like he's deliberately gone out of his way to have the haircut when knowing full well that it's breaking social distancing regulations. I think it's a case that we have to see what Spurs are going to do. We know they're investigating the incident and that story is developing. We are going to go for a very quick break. When we return, it's time to talk about Louis Campo, who has been strongly linked with a move to Tottenham. We're talking one for his future. Harry Kane's nice, we saw. Very, very nice treat to Leighton Orient in terms of that sponsorship. And all your listener questions. So do not go anywhere. We are back after this very, very short break. Hello and welcome back to the second half here of The Last Word on Spurs. Thank you again for downloading us this week. And I know many have been waiting for this discussion, so we're going to have it right now. There's been strong links of Luis Campo coming to Tottenham Hotspur, of course. The sporting director at the moment of Lille, where there has been, again, very, very strong rumours that he's looking to leave the club. Definitely been strong reports that he wants internal changes if he is to remain at Lille, including the dismissal of administrative director Julian Modak. But, I mean, let's get straight into this discussion because this, I think, is quite an exciting move if Tottenham do pull it off. We're talking about a guy here that, you know, he's developed some really, really top players. He's been credited with bringing the likes of Falcao, Bernardo Silva, Jean Moutinho, as well as uncovering such gems as Mbappe, Nicolas Pepe, James Rodriguez, Anthony Martial, Fabinho. And to be fair, like I say, this is a very, very impressive guy. I mean, Jamie, for you... How excited would you be if Tottenham yeah. could pull off this potential move for him to join Jose Mourinho, who he describes as like a brother to him? Yeah, yeah firstly, on the reports that have been coming out, obviously there, there's been quite a lot of mixed rumours and you can kind of, you get the impression why Jason sort of hates rumours when you've got so many mixed reports. You know, I know SPN came out after all, all these reports coming out and saying it was close to Tottenham that, you know, Spurs had no interest at all. So obviously in terms of reports, it's quite mixed at the moment. Um, but look, I mean, it, it, obviously, he's a guy that is uh, very good friends with Jose Mourinho. He's worked with him previously. Um, he's got a fantastic relationship with him. Um, of course, he's part of Lille, where, where Spurs obviously got a lot of their backroom staff from. Um, so he's, of course, familiar with them. Of course, Portuguese, same as Jose Mourinho. So, you know, it, it does seem as that would be a great fit. And of course, the kind of um, sporting director he is and the guy in the way that he turns, he finds new players, he, he seems to fit Spurs pretty perfectly. I mean, you look at, at some of the players you named, a lot of the younger ones, the clean Mbappes, um, the uh, Nicola Pepes, of course, you know, he brought them in at Monaco and Lille. You look at how his teams did during those times. I mean, Monaco, of course, got to a Champions League semi-final, I believe. 
ended up winning the league, of course, coming out of nowhere. And that was fantastic recruitment. Um, because of their fantastic recruitment, you look at some of the players that they, they signed for cheap and then managed to sell on later for, for a lot of money. Of course, he did the same with Lille, where they were a mid-table side. And I think they finished second in, in the French league uh, a year or two ago. Um, qualified for the Champions League out of nowhere. So he is a re- it's a potentially a really, really exciting appointment from Spurs. Um, I know previously Spurs have had maybe issues with um, that sort of sporting director role where we've had the likes of Franco Baldini and uh, everyone, of course, knows how that went. There was a lot of hype around him. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested. I think that, you know, it would be perfect, especially in this sort of time where maybe Spurs are going to have to try and be clever you know, I still think that Spurs can go and have a good transfer window. We know, as we've discussed previously, that it's, you know, it's going to be in terms of the, the money that we'll have, it's going to be limited. So Spurs have got to go and be smart. And, um, you know, you, you feel from, from his track record, Louis Campos's track record, um, he would potentially be a brilliant, brilliant addition for Spurs. And, and given his relationship with Jose Marino and understanding, um, I think it would, be, it would be a really, really good appointment. But... As I said, you know, we've got to wait for the story, you know, more more of this story to develop. I mean, there's a lot of mixed reports and it does seem pretty clear that he wants to leave Lille. Um, whether Spurs are actually fully interested, um, we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, very excited about this one. And we've got a question here from Ricardo Kuna, which is based on his previous work and what he's done at other clubs. Could Campos be the signing that takes Tottenham to that next level? It's got to take Daniel Levy to kind of give him that trust. I think that that's the one thing that... You know, it's a really big thing. And I know that I remember he spoke in an interview, Louis Campos, saying that about the importance of having a sporting director um, and, and having, you know, not having the someone else in charge to kind of um, do the transfers. And I know Daniel Levy does seem like to get very involved in transfers. And I think that that can be very dangerous. I think that it's, you know, for the manager, it's got to be the manager's players that you've got to come in, that have got to come in and, and, and the way that they're going to be able to fit his style. We don't want players coming in that aren't going to quite fit how Jose Mourinho wants to play or the type of pro, uh, player Jose Mourinho wants. So I, I really think that it Spurs could do with, with, with someone like that. Um, and as I said, especially in this time, I just think, and even, even in general, I think that he's a guy that would seem to, to fit Spurs perfectly in terms of um, you know, buying players that are um, sort of at that younger age and that are, are ready to kind of be developed into top stars. I mean, you know, as, as we said, the likes of Mbappe, Pepe, Thomas Lamar, uh, Rodriguez, Martial, Mendy, Fabinho, uh, Bernardo Silva, some, you know, so he's uncovered some fantastic players. So you do feel that would be a perfect fit for Spurs um, if we were able to get him. Lee, coming over to you, Spurs have been without a sporting director type themselves since... Paul Mitchell was placed on Garden Leaf back in 2017, but Spurs have frequently worked under this model. We've had many during Levy's era, with the likes of Frank Arneson, Damian Camoli, Franco Baldini, all holding variations of that post in years before Mitchell came on ball. But if Spurs can secure Campos, they'll have got themselves a man that you know not only just identifies talent, but you know he doesn't necessarily involve ginormous funds. Do you think that is again a massive pull here if Tottenham could really try and pull off this signing? It's a Levy dream, isn't it? I mean, I, I, honestly, I know it's been written this week and and, 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 and obviously I'm nicking the headline from uh, Alistair Gold as well, sorry, Alistair, but it is, it, is a, it is a Levy dream. I mean, you know, gets excited. What was a quote? He gets absolutely excited between uh, for signing people between 3 million and 10 million euros. I mean, literally, Levy's rubbing his hands together. Um, 
I think with you know the, the detail that Jamie's gone into, I, I completely agree. Although I don't think Pepe's a brilliant player, so uh, it's brilliant actually how all of a sudden Pepe's a good player. Um, he's actually shit, um, and he's seventy-two million. But other, other than, but other boat, than that, when the other than that, the ball into the sky and take it to Spurs, he's fantastic. Now. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, of course. No, no, no. Exactly. Oh, no. Good. I mean, all jokes aside, I think I think it would be it would be. Um, I do actually think it'd be a match made in heaven. I think that was one of the in, in fairness, though, he did absolutely, he has absolutely shafted Arsenal with uh, selling him to them for seventy-two million pounds. So yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I think he's done the right thing, isn't he, for his club? <laughs> that that would be like that would be like getting fifty-eight million for Sergio, wouldn't it, if he comes okay. in? So hopefully he can do that. But no, I think I think look when when you look at uh, and, and again you just ruined him off there, didn't you? All the other sporting directors that that we've had, Levy has always wanted that that kind of sporting director role. Um, and actually, Harry Redknapp was the one that kind of broke the duck on that. Um, he, I think there was reports previously that we tried to get Harry to manage our fantastic football club, and he turned it down on the basis that he didn't want to have a, a director of football. And, and the time that we did now Harry to, to the job was that on the condition that we didn't have a director of football. And, and I think after that period of time, Levy went back to it and, and changed it up a bit. And, and you're right. I mean, we talked about Paul Mitchell when I got when I got the details wrong before about the guy at Sheffield United. But, you know, we went to RB Leipzig and look at what they're doing now, pulling up trees left, right and centre. So, you know, I, I do think that the the model fits. I think the face fits. I think he is um, by all accounts. Like reading what we've done this week and uh, and looking at all the experts and stuff, he is an absolute well-renowned sporting director. I think there'll be a lot of clubs interested in him. I think the fact that he loves Jose and some of the stuff that he's talked about, he's like a brother to him. And if he called me, I'll talk to him. And he's a world-class manager and all that stuff. Maybe maybe this is the bit. Uh, you know, may, maybe this could be the signing that that we all need, but we didn't realise that we needed, if that makes sense. And, you know, and, and actually, and, and I'm sure Jace would touch on this as well, but, you know, with the football finances, so where we're going in the next kind of uh, year, 18 months, two years, you know, it, it, it is, does seem like a perfect scenario to, to go get him. You know, will we mess it up? Will we end up getting Luis Campalampa uh, instead of uh, Luis Campo, like we got Jetson Fernandez rather than... Uh, the other Fernandes. I don't, I don't know, but but ho- hopefully we'll go and get him and uh, it'll be a match made in heaven. Quick question for you, Lee, here. At Spurs481, Hotspur Way says, if Louis Campo does end up coming to Tottenham, do you think he will make a significant improvement to the club in the long term, given what it's been like in this last couple of years? I'm trying to wrap my brains. When you said about Paul Mitchell leaving in 2017, it's been like, what, two seasons since... Uh, one of them seasons, obviously, there was no there was no transfers at all with a well-respected 512 days self-imposed transfer ban from Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. So thanks for that, lads, um, and board. Um, but I, I think from 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 that perspective, you have to analyse the signings that we've actually got into the club um, and the signings that Paul Mitchell made um, versus the signings that 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 we've had since. And, and no disrespect to Steve Hitchin, and Steve Hitchin is an expert in in Ligue 1. Uh, by all accounts, but you know, we, we, we've been buying footballers and we've just been having a go at them, and we? we've just been having a go at the likes of Serge Aurea and whatever. If you know, if, if that was a Steve Hitchin signing, so uh, on the without knowing all the details, and one of you will correct me, or the listeners will, of course, when they, when they listen back, but uh, without knowing all the details of who signed who, it does kind of feel that the, the team that we put together under uh, Poch and his management team when we were challenging for the title Leicester, challenging for the title Chelsea, 
get into you know that nucleus of that squad, that young, robust, high press, energized, fantastic football team that we had was kind of helped and put together with the likes of Paul Mitchell. So you, you could say that in the years of our decline, inverted commas, that, that, that we haven't had that sporting director and therefore we do need one. Um, I think Levy likes that model. I would be very surprised if Lewis Campo doesn't become our sporting director within the next few weeks. There you go. Bold prediction from Lee. And he's bold to put that on the last word on Spurs. So we'll have to see. And Jace is bringing you in here because I know you will now bring us all down to earth like you used to. Uh, Campo, we have to say, uses this kind of global scouting comparison system. And it's a model that it was his own creation before going to watch any prospective signing himself. I mean, tell us for you, Jace, what do you think of this potential signing for Tottenham? Is this what we need in what obviously football is now so uncertain in terms of the finances? Is this the next step for Tottenham to take? Director of football was needed. I think we've needed one for a couple of years, really, as as the new stadium delays and things like that. I think it did did take Daniel's attention away from the football club, and hence why we made no signings. And I think you do need one. I think you do need to distance Daniel from from the day in day out of the transfer business. But always with me, with a sporting director, it's how the club wants it to work, and it's it's no good bringing in somebody like that, as we saw with Paul Mitchell, and then. When they recommend 15 signings, Daniel says, well, I'm not signing him and I'm not signing him and I'm not signing him. So, you know, you, you've, for me, anyone in that role, regardless of whether it's Lewis Campos or not, the chairman gives that, that side of the business a budget. And it's up to that side of the business how it spends that budget. And Daniel says, right, your transfer budget is 40 million, 80 million, whatever that, that budget is. And your wage budget is, you know, three million pounds a week. And then it's up to that director to make those figures work. And Daniel then doesn't get involved again. But if, you know, if, if Lewis Campbell says, well, I want to sign this player and we're going to have to pay him 150 grand a week. And Daniel says, well, sorry, that don't work because I'm, I'm not doing that. Then it's a waste of time bringing someone like that in. So it's how Tottenham makes sure that the system works. I think it's, it's a good thing in that it Mourinho's the club. And I, again, you know what I'm like with Mourinho, but it's somebody that obviously that he trusts and he wants, and and he trusts that that Campos's opinions. So that works well because it's it's not someone that's immediately going to rub Mourinho up the wrong way, which which you don't want. So from that side of it, it, it it's good. But you know the the proof will be in the pudding. How how Tottenham make it work? And as, as I say, if if Daniel wants to interfere and things, say, so, well, I'm not paying 25 million for Jack Grealish anymore, and think then then the system's never going to work. So hopefully. We, we put everything in place rather than just a person in place. And, and every single thing of them links together. But it remains to be seen. But I think, you know, over the next... What it, what it does say to you is that top, where Tottenham's thinking is that the, perhaps we are back to, to the project of five years ago where Pochettino came in and it will be developing players. And lots of fans will be saying, you know, when that transfer window kicks off, why aren't we signing this £50 million player? Why aren't we signing this £60 million player? Lewis Campos isn't the man to do that, obviously. So, you know, if we're all excited to bring him into the club, you have to buy into the philosophy that he's coming in for. Otherwise, it's a waste of time bringing someone like that in. I think that is part of what we talked about over the last few shows together, is that, you know, having a roadmap, having a plan, that's the bit where we've been all up in the air and all up upheaval. If this is the roadmap, if this is the plan, 
if this is the philosophy, as, as Jace just said, then I think fans will buy back into that. I think that we will be okay with that. It's because we know where we're going. And, and, and I do like, you know, having read about Lewis Campos this week, I, I do like the fact that, that that system that you talked about, he devised himself, that he puts in kind of eight or nine players in each position. You know, one starts at a million uh, euros and, uh, and all, all, all the way goes up to kind of 10 million or 15 million euros or whatever. And then they discuss it as a team, as a, as a management team to go, right, out of these lot, who can we go and get? Who are the who are the deep players? And it might be that you know we can go and buy a ten million pound fullback, but then he then he has to go and uh, you know scrummage around for a one million pound goalkeeper, whatever it might be. But he's obviously got, as you boys, you and Jamie just said, he's he's got a phenomenal track record in doing that, and it just feels like that is what Tottenham's um, philosophy of being for as long as I can remember. You know, and, and yes, we've flat fluttered with record signings with Ndombele and La Celso and you know, big money signings as well to, to, to come into that. But but as Chase has said, you know, with the football finances and wherever we're going over the next kind of two seasons, this could be this could be exactly what we need to rebuild and, and actually get that, um, Jamie, that 2.0, Tottenham 2.0 back on track. One slight bit of caution I'd have, and I don't see it as a negative, but this is a person that's effectively been buying players for the French league. And it's very different to buy players that settle to the premier league. Tungy and Dombele is a prime example of that. So yeah. there'll have to be a little bit probably of tweaking with him himself. Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, I mean, Franco Baldini, you know, there wasn't too many great successful signings from Franco Baldini, but he did a brilliant job for Roma. So that's what I mean. You know, it can work at one club and it, it doesn't necessarily transfer. I was just going to make the point as well also on, on terms of it can work at another club and, or it can't work at another in terms of Monaco and, and Lille, kind of the stages that they're at. Um, you know, all those players that were coming in, we're always going to be given that sort of time and you wonder whether a, a, a club like Spurs and kind of the place that we're at, will they be given that sort of time to kind of develop as players if we're going to be signing those sort of the younger unknown players that aren't maybe quite developed into the into the top levels of the players that they're destined to be or whatever. Um, so maybe that might be another issue with in, in terms of bringing in the new players and, and that you were at a div- different level from where Lille and Monaco were at at the time that he was working with them. Absolutely, because I mean, if, if you compare Lille, who would you compare them to in England? It's I wouldn't even say they're Everton. Uh, well, they were mid-table, yeah, mid-table, mid-table when he was Castle. with them. Yeah, they are Newcastle, really. And, and you're right, Jamie. You know, le- the level Tottenham should be buying at. Obviously, we're not Paris Saint-Germain, but we should be Marseille or, or Lyon rather than Lille. And if, if the club is settling for Lille, then, then I can see that being a problem further down the line. When you look at the talent that's come through Lille, you know, it will be up to the Tottenham Hotspur board to keep hold of that talent rather than actually sell it on. You've got Lamar, you've got Pepe, you've got, um, you know, he's uncovered in Bay. You, he's, you know, there was, uh, I think at the time when he was at the club, um, you had Eden Hazard there as well and all, all of them things. So I, I think, you know, I think you make a good point, Jace, about, you know, the Lille versus the, uh, you know, the, the, the Marseilles or whatever, but it, that will be up to the Tottenham Hotspur board to keep hold of the players. You know, it, once we've unearthed them, that's up yeah. to us now to keep hold of them. I think the other thing as well is if you look at it, um, if he maybe brought in an Mbappe, would he then would he then be able to get the chances that Mbappe got at Monaco? Because if you've got Harry Kane in the team and you come back to that whole debate that we have with Harry Kane, you know, would would um, Mbappe have got all those chances that he got at Monaco to kind of develop? And that and that's maybe the the point I was trying to make in terms of would they get that chance? You know, the the sort of level 
players that they're buying um, in terms of buying for the future. You know, would they sort of get that opportunity at Spurs to, I mean, perhaps they would, but that might be an obstacle. You know, would, would have Mappe have um, come in and got all those chances that he did at Monaco? Would he do have the same at Tottenham um, if he's competing against the likes of Harry Kane? So that might potentially uh, be an issue. And just a final question on Louis Campo. Jace, this is from at Skip SZN who says, will Campos's impact our choice of the academy manager? Because obviously we haven't seen any news since John McDermott is going to be leaving for the FA. Do you think that's maybe a reason why Spurs haven't really done anything from the academy perspective yet? We haven't really heard much news. I haven't even considered that, to be honest. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know whether Lewis Campos will, will get directly involved in the appointment of the academy coach. Too early to say. I, 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 I could see the sense in him doing that um, as long as you have because you do want that long-term plan in place. And, and most clubs now do say, right, what, what you start playing as, as as your academy size is, is trying to get them ready for first-team football from the start. So hopefully so. But um, honestly, I honestly couldn't answer that. Difficult one. Yeah, I think like you say, with this case of, you know, Lewis Campbell and Tottenham, it is a developing story and therefore we are going to hear more news in the coming weeks. And don't worry, we'll be here to bring it to you first. Uh, of course, me and Jamie will be updating the Twitter accounts as to what's going on with conflicting stories that I'm sure Jason will be putting us in our place. When this... <laughs> is, he, is he a transfer? Is he a transfer, Rick? You and Jamie, just... He's a Lewis Campos, you know, he's not a player, but he's still a transfer, yeah? He's still a transfer. It still counts, oh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, oh, I love a transfer. This is lack of transfers. Yeah. Anyone counts at the moment, don't they? God, <laughs> come on. I think the point to make in terms of this Louis Campo rumour, when you look at it and the hope for him to come to the club, is that Spurs, we started our redemption returning as a competitive club because of that appointment of Frank Arneson, who was the man that helped Spurs get those two top five consecutive finishes under Martin Yole. And I do ultimately believe that getting someone in like Campos would be the difference because the foundations and the stars are already there. If Spurs can do some smart recruitment in key areas, he could really turn Tottenham into challengers once again. And it's impossible to not get excited about a man that has worked so closely with Jose Mourinho. And, you know, having that man with all his quality, like we've said, and with the ability to spot players, discover players at quite a low value and bring them to a football club. I think it's Daniel Levy's dream, as we've said. So I think it's one definitely to be very, very excited about and a case of just watching this space. Lee, there's been some speculation over this last couple of weeks in terms of transfers. We're going to try and go through them over the course of the next kind of 10, 15 minutes. But we've seen the agent of Juan Foyth admit that he's most likely to move on in the summer. How do you feel, Lee, about fourth departing the club? Because there's definitely a sense of the Spurs fan base that we haven't really seen the best of this guy, or we may never do. But yeah, he hasn't yeah. really maybe been given a fair shot under Jose Mourinho. What's your thoughts? Would you like to see Spurs keep him? Are you you know, up for letting him move on? Thoughts on that? Kind of the same as the general what you just said about Spurs fans. We haven't really seen the best of him as he had a big chance. He got injured, didn't he, when we didn't replace Kieran Trippier as a right back and the rumours were all over the place that he was going to play right back for us under Poch. Then he got injured and he couldn't play there. Um, again, some, some some big friends of the show that I follow on Twitter, I think Paul O'Keefe talked about him having all the attributes to become a central defensive midfielder. Uh, for example, and and I, and I kind of agree with that. You think about, you know, he's he's, he's learned his trade almost as you know, as you say, as a centre back. But actually, he's got passing ability there. He, he's, he, I don't know. There's, there's kind of got the John Stones about him, if you know what I mean by that. In, in terms of kind of gets caught on the ball, trying to play it out, but it's the right way. Coaches love him because he wants to play it out, but but actually fans loathe him because he gets caught on position and 
gives away red cards, for example, the whole challenge with Bournemouth or, you know, gives away penalties and, you know, two against Wolves spring to mind that time. And so uh, it's been mixed with, with Juan Foy. I, I think that, I think he's one of them that if you've bought him in, as if you're the manager and you've bought him into the club, you, he probably stays. And if you if you haven't brought him into the club, he, he probably goes. And, and unfortunately for, for him and his Spurs career, he falls into the latter category, doesn't he? So would I be gutted to see him go? Uh, like, he's one of them where I'd probably wish him all the best. I think that, you know, it, it'd be nice to keep him and get a real good tune out of him because I think there was a player in there. And like I say, <laughs> in other things, it, it wouldn't surprise me if he goes on and has a fantastic career in La Liga somewhere. You know what I mean? But... It just hasn't worked out from it, Tottenham, has it? Mm. So let's do a quick keep or sell across the board then. So for Lee, keep or sell for you? I'll, I'll probably say sell. Okay. Jamie, keep or sell one fourth? Uh, de- definitely keep for me. I think he's a guy that has a massive ceiling. I really think that he is a hugely talented player. And as, as Lee said, I'm, I'm kind of in that camp where I feel as though... Um, you know, he could he would benefit from playing in a in a different position, not centre back. A very difficult position where, you know, it, it can be very easy to make mistakes. Um, and certainly in that level at the Premier League where you know the intensity, it's very difficult to kind of learn. And especially the way that he in terms of he plays, in terms of wanting to look to play out from the back, it's difficult to do that in the Premier League and kind of learning that when you've just come over from a you know a different continent even at such a young age. So I feel sorry for him. Um, but obviously, I think it comes down to the whole case of back the manager. And, uh, you know, if it was Jose Mourinho's wish to get him out of the club, then uh, unfortunately that has to be the case. But for me, I see a really, really talented player in there. And um, I'd really like Jose Mourinho maybe to give him another shot. And to about back the manager means we have to go to Jason McGovern. Jace, keep or sell? One fourth? Well, back the manager, what he wants to do. But if I was a manager, I'd be. Well, I think he'll sell because. I think the skill set that Foyth brings is not the skill set that Mourinho wants. And and I think centre-half is a position where you really want the skill set that you particularly identify. You can rotate. You know, if a winger is, has got great pace but not great crossing, you think, OK, I can I can work around that for the odd Carling Cup games and that. But I think centre-half, when, when Foyth's skill set is playing out from the back and that's the one skill set Mourinho doesn't want, I don't see. I think Yafet Tanganga... Has, has, has kind of jumped in front of him, hasn't he? His physicality, his pace. You know, Foyth has always worried me because I think he's, he's not got great pace, he's not got great physicality, and he makes sloppy mistakes. So whilst the talent's there, I think there's still a hell of a lot that that, that I would look at and think he's not a Jose Mourinho footballer. OK. Um, we've got a question from Phil who asks, realistically, who are we signing? That is from at SZN. Now, we have had... Obviously, a couple of links to players through the last couple of weeks that we haven't had a chance to kind of discuss or bring up. So, very quickly, just again, this is it going to be kind of point blank answers? Because we've got quite a bit to cover off in this next kind of eight, nine minutes. Firstly, to you, Jace, we've seen Ryan Fraser being linked. We've also seen the Southampton midfielder Holberg being linked. For you, very quickly, those two, are they good enough to take Tottenham forward? I've never watched Holberg and thought, God, I wish we signed him. I've never watched Ryan Fraser and thought, I wish we'd sign him. I think Ryan Fraser would be a a Carabao Cup player, and Hoiberg may well do a job for us, but I, I wouldn't get too excited. But all I would say is if either of those are linked by Foot Macato, then it's definitely not happening. Well, beggars can't be choosers, Jase. Well, beggars? <laughs> beggars? <laughs> beggars? Let's go around and leave McQueen because the show could derail the next 10 minutes. Lee, um, I'll ask you the same question. Ryan Fraser, Hoiberg of Southampton, do those players scream out, you know, 
an interest to you? I mean, this could all change if Louis Campo walks through the door, of course. What do you think of those two, Lee? With Pierre, I think because he's got kind of, you know, Premier League experience, you know, he almost trumps, you know, other people that haven't got that experience. I mean, um, I'm going to get the pronunciation wrong, so forgive me, but Sumer, is it? Bubakari Sumer? Samara, um, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. So for 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 hit for, for that guy, I mean, he looked he looks a fantastic prospect. He looks he looks amazing. Looks coming to the uh, to the Premier League as a holding midfielder. He, he would look like the type of individual that Jose would like. All the links with Louis, Louis Campo and everything else. But but he ain't got any Premier League experience, and we've just seen it with Tungan Dembele, which I still think is going to be a world beater for Tottenham Hotspur. I think it'd be amazing, but it's taken him a whole season to get used to it. And have we got that ability to get people to get used to it again? When when we're talking about kind of youngsters coming into the team, where you've got Holber, Holberg there, who, who who knows that position, he knows the Premier League, he knows how to graft, he's had to graft really hard in a in a very very hard working Southampton side. He's been through the mill at Southampton as well because. The horrendous results they were getting, but you know they gave their manager time, and um, Ralph turned it around, and 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 he and he started to shine. And don't forget, he's played at top top level as well within Germany at Bayern Munich. So, you know, I, I don't know, maybe he could he could be a good signing for us. What, what do you think, Jane? I think he's kind of really a guarantee for me. He'd be kind of the the one name that I'd kind of predict that will come into Spurs. I really do think that there's a a very good chance he will be at Spurs. I think, first of all, you know, Lee, you made a great point there in terms of the Premier League experience. I think that was something that will really benefit us. But I think other things as well, I think that in terms of his time at Bayern Munich, he really was a very talented player there. Um, he's come to Southampton and, you know, maybe he's kind of looked mixed in that midfield. But when you're in a different environment, then it can kind of be a different situation. And I feel as though he's a player. If he is in the right environment, then he really has got, he could become a really, really top player because I think that there is a lot of potential in there um, as he's shown. And, you know, he's played at top level already. Um, but I think there's other situations as well that, that make this, situ uh, this, this deal very likely. I think the fact that um, his, his contract situation is it's up in 2021. So he's out of contract uh, in a year's time in this summer. So, of course, that will obviously uh, affect his transfer fee. Um, as we've mentioned, he's a guy that can kind of play a number of different roles in central midfield. So that, of course, will be really important when we're playing potentially a 4-3-3 and you've got three central midfielders. So I think that he can fit in well there. And then, of course, he fits that holding midfield uh, role. Um, I think that, that that's something that Spurs, you know, Spurs really need. And that's probably the main area that I'd like to see Spurs address this summer. And I think also as well, listening to sort of Southampton fans speak about him and other fans speak about him. He sounds like a Jose Mourinho-type player. He sounds like a, a real leader. He sounds like a guy that works really hard. And, of course, those are two attributes you associate with, with real Jose Mourinho players. So I know a lot of people will kind of look at it and think he's a Southampton player and he's, you know, he's played in potentially you know, a very mixed Southampton team. But I think that you know, if you, you look at a lot of the signings that Liverpool made and in terms of they've got um, Sadio Mane from uh, Southampton, uh, Vinaldum from Newcastle, uh, Salah from Roma, uh, Matic from uh, Schalke, um, and, and so you, you know, I think it's. I think a lot of fans will look at that kind of deal and see that he's coming from Southampton and maybe look down a bit. But for me, I think there's, as I said, I think there's a really talented player in there. I think he's a guy that could potentially fit a Jose Mourinho Tottenham team. So uh, for me, I'm, I'd be fully behind that signing. And also, just Jay, very quickly, Ryan Fraser. One word answer. Is that a player that you'd like to see come to Tottenham? 
Yeah, he's a, he's a free transfer, and he, you know, as again as Lee said, you know, he's got Premier League experience. He'd be coming in as a as a squad player. I think that he could potentially add, um, you know, he'd, he'd certainly add something to the squad. I think he's had a difficult year in the Premier League this year, uh, but the year before that, he was very good. Um, so, so for me, I think that you know, in terms of his his experience in the Premier League and the, the fact that he, he'd be a free transfer, I'd I, I'd say yes to that one. Yeah, well, that okay. That is all the transfer news rounded up. We're going to talk about some other incidents that have happened over this last couple of weeks, and that was Dilly Ali being held at knife point during a burglary in the early hours of last Wednesday morning. We heard at the time two men broke into the 24-year-old's house in North London, where he is spending his lockdown with his brother and their respective partners. Ali was threatened and punched during the incident and suffered minor facial injuries in a scuffle. The intruders stole items of jewellery, including watches. And I think what people were finding 100%, the, the way this was reported at the time was, I know Simon Jordan has referenced it on TalkSport, it was real gutter press reporting in terms of how this message was being portrayed across. And I'm going to come round first to you, Jace, for your reaction. What did you make of the way in which this was being reported by the media and your thoughts overall in terms of that incident with Delhi Alley? Well, it's obviously a, a serious incident and a sad one, and it it, it goes with with Jan Vertonghen. Obviously, you had a, a similar incident with his family, didn't he, when he was out in Leipzig for that game. And sadly, footballers seem to be a target of it. But uh, I think I saw Simon Jordan's piece today where he was very critical of the media coverage of it. And, and I think, you know, I, I kind of see where Simon Jordan was coming from because I've always had the problem that footballers' salaries and their possessions are always labelled far more than anyone else. And, you know, Carl Walker, who earns 165 grand a week, breaks social distancing rules. But if it's uh, an actor or it's somebody else, then, then their salary's never mentioned. Uh, their possessions are never mentioned. And uh, Simon Jordan's right. It doesn't matter how much his watch was worth. It's the fact that his watch was stolen. It could have been a, a time exit his you know, his parents bought him for his 10th birthday or something, and it would hold as much value as, as such. So, you know, it, it's sad to see how the media want to twist it as if Deli Ali deserves it because he's flaunting his watch on Instagram or whatever. We had that, didn't we? Spot with on, mate. Spot Sterling. on. We had it with Raheem Sterling, you know, with his gun tattoo before the World Cup and the and the, the negativity that they tried to push towards him. So, you know, just, just report there's been a, a robbery and whatever and then move on from it we don't have to we don't have to know all the ins and outs I think it's a disgrace that uh, that uh, you know these things happen you know these robberies and whatever you know it obviously is common practice in life which you know we'll never be able to eradicate but I think it's a disgrace the way the way in which it was reported um, I think Jason hit the nail on the head when he talked about kind of you know bringing up Simon Jordan I, I love Simon Jordan I love him I, his opinion he's very outspoken but his opinion is absolutely bang on the money I think he looked at uh, he, he talked about you know some of it being gutter press reporting and, and it's the likes of bringing up the value of certain things like Jay said before you know the, the value of a watch or the value of what's it's irrelevant. It's not. It's not relevant to what it is. It's you know. It's not Deli Ali's fault that he got burgled, and 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 somehow the media made out that it was Deli Ali's fault because he wore a hundred and fifty grand watch. I mean, no, it, this is the thing. And again, Jace talked about. It. He talked about Sterling. Um, you know, when all that kind of uh, come about with with the tattoos, and 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 again, you have to question. You have to question. Is there some sort of prejudice there because? of, um, you know, Deli Ali's status in the game or his wealth or whatever it might be, or, or is there something else there? You know, is, 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 it, is it because of 
you know, a, a, a colour or an ethnic minority. But but I just think it's an absolute disgrace that that um, that they can get away with it. To be honest, Rick, I, I, honestly, I, I genuinely do. I mean, there's, there's certain things that the me- media do, not not all media, but certain parts of the media get away yeah. with absolutely murder, and, and I think it's outrageous. You know, we, we talked earlier about you know a couple of weeks ago about James Cracknell and the picture they photoshopped when he was sitting next to his dad, and he was he wasn't sitting next to his dad. I just think, you know, what do you believe nowadays? He gets so much stick. The guy is an absolute. Yeah. He's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. He's a he's a good lad, uh, and he's one of ours. So I know he's kind of one of our own, but he is really. He's one of ours, and you know, I, I feel sorry for him, and and I just hope that they get the um, you know justice is served to the yeah. people that burgled him. Yeah, it's an absolutely awful story. And the situation of Ali being held at Knife Point. You know, in March yeah. we saw the family of Jan Vertonghen. They were robbed yeah. at Knife Point while he was away on Champions League duty. I mean, Jay, it's quite scary. And it, it, I don't know if you saw this video that I thought was absolutely crazy. Uh, I saw on Twitter where there was actually someone outside of his property almost kind of explaining how easy it was to kind of get under the property and in there. I mean, because yeah. I just could not Seriously, believe yeah. that I mean, video Jesus. would go out there. That's on what? Sky News. I mean, could yeah. you believe what... I, mean, I presume we've all seen that. Jay, what's your reaction to watching that kind of video? It's just unbelievable. Well, I think the guys have, have said it, you know, the reporting around it has been just embarrassing. Well, just disgusting, really. And, you know, as a for me myself, you know, I've been, I've, you know, over the last three years, I've been, you know, doing a uh, degree in sports journalism. Quite frankly, you know, that's not a. It really puts me off going into that sort of industry when you see that sort of reporting. It is, it's really disgusting. You see the way as we've mentioned, you know, the likes of uh, Sterling and Deli Ali all treated, you know, these young players, and it's just really, you know, it, it, that's something that really puts me off the industry a lot in terms of the way that is reported. Um, and, you know, of course, on, on footballers as well, in, in general, um, I know that Hugo Lloris recently it was reported that, you know, he brought a, he had to buy a £15,000 dog to protect his family. And, of course, as we mentioned, you know, we've seen uh, Jan Bertongen, uh, of course, get his, his family were, you know, burgled. And then, of course, there was uh, Say Kolosniac and Mesut Ozil at Arsenal. Of course, they were, were held at knife point. So you know, it's, it's you know really really disappointing, and especially with Ali, I was I was so gutted to to see that he'd been through that. I mean, that's such a horrible situation to kind of go through, and you know, you, you just think it's just yeah a horrible situation to be in. And then the way it was reported was you know really disgusting and, and really disappointing from my perspective. Just seeing the way that you know journalists are kind of treating this situation, and yeah, just puts me off the puts me off really going into that industry really. During this down period, listen, there's not been much football, but the, the way we're seeing a lot of media now trying to, I would say, clickbait, make up stories. I know we laugh and joke about me and Jay doing the, the, the transfers and stuff, but just from a general perspective, the way the media, especially in sport, I find certain stories are being reported, it really does make it uneasy for reading. Well, the, thing, the, thing, the thing is, it, it is, and, and I, I'm, not, I'm, look, I'm not an expert and I'm not here to judge people and I'm, there's, there's a, a, a hell of a lot of amazing journalists out there Absolutely first-class journalists. I'll mention him again. As the gold, I think he's yeah. absolutely prime. Um, and there's there's also there's some brilliant reporters out there and all that sort of stuff. So we're not, you know, it's not it's not everything, but it's in every in all walks of life. You always get, you know, there's certain areas of an industry or of certain areas of a sector or whatever that that, that isn't that isn't mint. And, and and unfortunately, we get that quite a lot with 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 seemingly the British press. And you know, it's interesting that Jamie, you were just talking there. You know, you're a budding sports journalist yourself. You're 
studying your your your, your butt off uh, to become mm. into that industry, and it's things like that that put you off. I mean, you know, that, yeah. that's what that's that they've got a knock on effect. We talk about footballers being role models, but everybody's a role model within their own sector. And when you're reading stories like that and, and interpreting them in that yeah. way, it, it's putting off young journalists like yourself to, to to actually come into the industry. So they have to look at the wider picture on that. And, and I think the other thing as well is the point you made about Larice buying buying a dog. You didn't make the point that you bought a dog to to, uh, to um, uh, you know protect his family. You you made the point that you bought a fifteen thousand pound dog. Yes, and yes, that's because it was the yeah. way it was reported. They have to report that Louise bought a fifteen grand dog. But but why is it fifteen grand? Why can't it just be a, a dog? Yeah, and and yeah. that's the point I think that Jason was making before, and it's just it's the yeah. little subtleties that yeah. that again that, that Raheem Sterling has done such good work over the last kind of twelve months, eighteen months or so, uh, that pointing them out to 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 people that don't seemingly get them pointed out. Was Jan Vertonghen? Was Yan Vertonghen when his family were um, held at knife point? Was he going? Ah, oh, he's brought it on himself because he wears fifteen hundred fifty grand watches. No, yeah. wasn't reported in that way. Just but when I, Dele, when it's yeah. when with Deli Ali, it's reported that way. Why? Yeah, I, I just say on the when I've when I've mentioned the price, I think that that kind of that goes just to show the lengths that they're having to go to in order. It to does uh, exactly. No, 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 and no, I agree with that. No, that's why that's why I highlighted it. It wasn't you. It's them. You, you know the way the stories yeah, yeah. are written, and yeah. you know, and, and Rick, you, you turned around and said, you know, about reading certain stories and so on, so forth, right? it's such a difficult one because we do, you know, we, we now live in an era where there's podcasts and we've got a really, really good one. Um, as, as you all know, listeners, cause you listen to it now. Um, <laughs> and, you know, there's, there's, there's more of a freedom around podcasting or YouTubing and, or, you know, social media in itself, people's opinions and that sort of thing. But actually when you read a newspaper article, when you read a newspaper, the majority of the time you are listening to one person's opinion. But majority of the time, you, you're reading an article by that particular journalist and that journalist take on that particular story. So so it's their opinion or, or their newspaper's opinion, because the newspaper uh, employs them with not their freelance or they work for the, the paper themselves. That they, they, they employ them on the basis that they are going to write the way that they want them to write, if, if that makes sense. So so I think with, with, with the, the era that we now live in, I think people have become a little bit more immune to the kind of more mainstream media because actually we can create our own. And, and, and I don't think, again, if I'm really honest, I don't think the mainstream media like that. I don't think they like that whole social media aspect of it because um, because of that. It's, it's a little bit like, you know... 100%. Um, the freedom of speech, uh, Lee, 100%. Yeah. I agree. And, and, and again, this is not with everyone. You know, you've got yeah. some... I don't want to name all of them, but you've got some absolute <laughs> phenomenal journalists and presenters out there and all that sort of stuff. Absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, but there is some people out there that all they want to do is is... is and there's people on Twitter as well, you know, poison, that all they want to do is dig up dirt and, and, and make it in a horrible negative story. And I, I'm sorry, I'm just not in for that. That is not my nature. It's not who I am. And, I, and quite frankly, I don't want to read it or listen to it. Yeah. Well, listen, let's try and end on a positive because I think this was a really positive story. We saw Harry Kane join Forty with Leighton Orient by sponsoring their shirts next season and donating the space to free good causes. He made his senior debut. We can't forget Harry Kane for Orient in 2011. The club's home trip will carry a message of thanks to the frontline workers tackling the coronavirus pandemic. Now, if there was a player that you really wanted to embody a football club, someone that is a real role model, Harry Kane is just that person. And again, Jamie, he always does things Kane with such a great bit of class and again this story here it is a lovely story to end on because it was Kane really showing the kind of boy he is the bloke he is the class he is of a man 
just think it was an absolutely fantastic thing to do. And as you said, you know, it, it just makes me so proud to, you know, that he's part of my football club. And I really am proud to have him as, you know, got a, a player in my team. I just think that that was a, a brilliant, brilliant gesture from from Kane, of course, you know, remembering his roots, of course, a club that he once used to play for. And I just think it's a really positive thing. And, you know, we've mentioned how these clubs at this time are going are gonna to struggle in terms of uh, finances. So to help them, and, you know, I've, I've, I've spoken to some of the guys at the media team at Leighton Orient, they're just saying that Harry Kane, you know, he's been absolutely fantastic about the whole situation. And, and that's just really, really great to hear. Um, unfortunately, as Lee said, you know, you've got lots of negative people in the world and, and kind of on Twitter and everything. And you see the sort of stick that Harry Kane gets I just see so much criticism of him all the time. I mean, look, unfortunately, you're going to get that when you when you've got that sort of when you're at that sort of stage. Um, but look, for me, I'm, I'm I'm so proud to have Harry Kane at the club, and you know the fact that he's one of our own. I'm sure you know everyone else just feels that same pride uh, about everything that he does. And um, yeah, I mean, this was really was a, a really fantastic gesture, and uh, one all great uh, great for us football fans to see as well that he's you know he's helping out another football club. So. Yeah, really, really proud of that one. Agree. And just on this story, you know, Orient have said 10% of the proceeds from each replica shirt will be sold to go to the goals, the calls featured on the front. And it's un- incredible, really, that less than 48 hours on shirts being on sale, they skyrocketed and they now, I think, already have beaten or have sold as many replica shirts as they've done in the whole of last year. And that, again, tells you just, you know, the pull of Harry Kane what this man is about and just, you know, what an incredible story this is during this very difficult time we find ourselves in. I, I, I mean, I've got hairs on the back of my neck listening to you and Jamie t- talking about that and I'm trying to think of what I was going to respond to. So I'm just going to say, say two things on it uh, because, it, you know, I quote uh, one of our own, John, um, where he says, our captain and a big love heart. So I'm putting the love heart up now because he is our captain. And that's not just Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. That's also England, by the way. So for all the other listeners out there, all the listeners out there or people that only don't listen or the Arsenal fans that sometimes tune into the... He is an England player. He's a world number, best number nine in the world, in my opinion. And he, what a man. And, and, and the second tribute, and Chris Cannon's going to love this, is going to be this. He's one of our own. He's one of our own. Yes, Harry please. Kane. He's <laughs> one of our own. No, it makes you proud. Get in it? there, Harry. Makes you proud. Makes you proud, doesn't it? Definitely. That's a, an, an incredible story. And I think it's such a lovely one to end on with Kane because this is a player that, you know, I know there's speculation over his future. And listen, we want him to stay. We want him to achieve everything he can at Tottenham. But I think to end on that kind of story where there's a player there that we love so much, giving something back to the community, giving something back to a club where, you know, gave him the opportunity to go and play, maybe to help him get his breakthrough as well when it came at the Tottenham. Fabulous, fabulous story and definitely one to rightly end on. So, Jason left us because he uh, had to run off to do a Skype call. So, we'll be back with you guys very, very soon. But delighted to have back alongside us, of course, Lee McQueen. Lee, thank you for coming back on. Always a pleasure. Cheers, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks, listeners, for putting up for my dulcet tones again. And I uh, can't wait to do it again. Let's hope, hopefully, we get some more Harry Kane-type stories and, and not so yes. much uh, reporting on, on the Delhi Alley incident, for example. No, and no more on the surgery or lockdown or the apparent break in social distancing. Jay, thank you for coming back on. As always, Transfer Rumours will be here to discuss them as and when they come up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, look, there was obviously, of course, lots of nice stories to touch on, obviously some less so, but uh, no, I re- really enjoyed doing that one. Uh, hope all the listeners continue to stay well and uh, yeah, come on you Spurs. Agree. Thank you again, guys, for downloading us on a weekly basis. I know it's been, like I say, at this moment in time, football, it's obviously not the priority. Priority is our health. So we have to, again, thank you 
once again from the bottom of our hearts to keep downloading the last one on Spurs every week. Keep safe. Keep well. We'll be back very soon as the boys echo. Come on, you Spurs. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.